Hi, welcome back to another podcast episode on the Normal to Nomad podcast. This week we are going to be talking about cheers. You stole my cup. That's this my week cup. we're going to be talking about our house design and building materials and different um, building types that we might use and all things of that nature. Am I missing anything? Nope. I think we're just going to be talking all about our house. Cool. Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name's Baron, And I'm Elsa. We've lived five years on the road in our 13-foot scamp trailer, exploring the backcountry of the West with our dog, Camp. Now, we dive into a new chapter as we build an off-grid home on our land in Colorado. To start, um, we have a general layout that we've kind of been talking about and designing. You had it in one of your journals that you'd been kind of ideating on for a long time, and we just put that into SketchUp. I need to open that file and geek out on it again and kind of finish it up. But I'll put it on YouTube as we talk about it. I'll put it on the YouTube video, so if you want to see what that looks like, get on YouTube. Yeah, but if you're watch or if you're just listening, then we'll do our best to describe it as well. Um, the biggest thing for our house design is having kind of like in our uh, office, having south facing windows so that we can have an in-house greenhouse. That's one of the major sort of design features that we want to incorporate. And then concrete floors too. Because uh, the main thing we're working with is a bunch, a bunch of sun. So we're thinking concrete and we'll talk more about this later but we want concrete to be able to absorb that sun and then release that heat in the night. And um, in Ben Falk's book, uh, Modern Farm and Homestead or something to that effect, he talks about um, the different zones, your different growing zones. And the ones that you like pass by day to day are your zone zero. So by having our initial growing site in our house, then we will be interfacing with it every day. So that'll give us a better chance to really take care of it. Whereas if it were off site or further down the hill or even outside, then we're not going to see it every day. So then we won't be able to give it as much care. We want to have two stories ideally because Baron is really into tall, which I'm into that too, for sure. That and we had an apartment when we, it was our first place that we ever lived together and it was a teeny tiny apartment, but it had two stories. Um, like it was just our bedroom upstairs. And that really gave us a sense of separation that was nice. So Elsa could be upstairs doing her face painting stuff and I could be downstairs doing whatever I'm doing. And we kind of each had our own space. And I like that ability, especially for when we have kids, to be able to put the kid down upstairs or whatever and then um, still be able to live our lives downstairs. So what we're thinking for the downstairs is, and this will be a very small house. I don't know what the square footage is like yet. We're working with some really awesome friends, Dylan and Casey, on this kind of design. And none of this is official. It's just what we have come up with. And now we're going to kind of interface with them and see how we can make this a reality. But on the first floor, we will have our kitchen and a completely open area. We love transformable furniture. So things that can have more than one purpose, I think, is going to dominate that space. Really big open kitchen, 
And behind the kitchen, we'll have to have some sort of pantry because we plan on having a lot of stored food. But behind the the kitchen area is a bathroom, pantry, kind of wet room. The mud room. Mud room, that's what it's called. And behind that, to the north, maybe will be a garage. We haven't decided on where we want to put that. I had a good friend who said that that will be a very cold garage if it's only on the north side. So, but it'll also be a, like an insulative sort of area to the house. So the sure. garage can be cold, but then there's a air barrier to the house. And it will be, be nice. warmer than it would be outside, better protected than just outside. And we feel like a garage is a necessity just to have a space out of the wind and out of the snow and everything to process food and um, work on vehicles and all that kind of stuff. Our kind of goal is to work on the garage first and live in the garage, like James and Doreen, live in the garage with a little kind of kitchen type setup while we then go and build the house. And then in the future, that garage with its little kitchen setup will become our game processing area. So kind of thinking ahead with that. Um, You mentioned the greenhouse that we have on the first floor. And that will just bleed into our main living area. Like Elsa said, it'll be kitchen, um, mudroom and everything behind that. But the main area will just be an open room that spills into the greenhouse. Yes. And kind of built around our wood stove, I guess. And hopefully all the furniture, like you said, will be transformable and be able to move around. And adapt based on what we're doing. We were thinking kind of a rolling island for the kitchen that would also be a sort of bar set up so you could sit in chairs and that would maybe be our kitchen table, just an up high bar slash island that we can also use for storage. And in that legendary first apartment that we had with the two floors. (laughs) It was hardly legendary. Well, it was to us (laughs) to have our first apartment together. It was pretty cool. There were floating stairs in that apartment. So we had my Tegu cage a big old huge box underneath those stairs. We wouldn't bring the tegu back for this house, but we would like to have floating stairs to make everything feel really big and open because this is going to be really, really small. And we need some kind of roaming reptile. I haven't decided on what yet. Maybe a tortoise. We haven't talked about that yet. Or toke geckos just living free and wild in the house so they could take care of mice and bugs. We'll see. We'll see about that. (laughs) Then as you go up the stairs, there's going to be a little tiny loft area. And this will face the east where the mountains are. Beautiful, beautiful open view of the mountains. It'll be a loft because it'll be open. You can see over it down to the floor below. The wood stove pipe will kind of extend all the way up. So you'll have that heat up into the loft. And I think that loft will be a space where we can pull out a trundle bed or a futon and have guests sleep there. It won't be the most private thing ever, but we don't have very many guests here anyway. Well, I feel like once our house is done, more people will be coming out here to visit. And that's been something that we have been struggling with is I do believe that's the case for sure. And so we've been kind of trying to design a house based on people and guests and stuff. But then we forget that We need to focus on ourselves first and what we need in a house first and then maybe do add-ons, do a guest house, things like that. But we're kind of, we were getting a little bit stuck trying to plan this house for other people. But we will also have the scamp 
outside. So if people come to visit, they can stay in this camp, which some people wouldn't like, but then it's like, okay, then you could knock out them. Well, it would be the most dreamy thing, and I'm really kind of trying to fight for this, is to get another scamp and have that be, I don't know, a little nest so that we can have just a couple little apartments for people who are coming and going. Because we're going to have ongoing projects here all the time. And we would like to be able to host people in the scamps that are trying to move into a sort of nomadic way of living so that people could try it out and get a sense of what that would be like for them. Offer it kind of like an Airbnb experience type of thing where you get to see what it takes if you are wanting to become nomadic. We've got it set up for you. Everything but the moving part, which is a big part. Yeah, But you can figure that out. But I think it'd be a really good introduction for people. Beyond, okay, so we were talking about the loft. And above the living room area and where the wood stove is, it would go straight through. Um, Like there won't be a second story in that part. What are you talking about? I'm talking about above the wood stove. Okay. It'll just go straight Mm -hmm. through to the upper floor ceiling. So Mm -hmm. then that area will have a really high ceiling and then the loft will be off to the side up there. Mm -hmm. And then we're thinking our bedroom would go over top of the kitchen area. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think so. And I think from the, okay, back, backwards, let's go backwards a bit. (laughs) One of the biggest things that we, um, oh no, kombucha is a bad bubbly drink to do drink when we're (laughs) podcasting. Excuse me. Well, the, the the biggest thing that we have wanted from the start is a bunch of decks. We want to not have a house that then limits our time spent outside. That's been our whole thing with the scamp is the scamp is where we sleep and exist, but outside is where we really live. So we don't want to take that away by having a house. So we want to be able to sit out on really any side of the house and be protected from the wind, from the sun, depending on where you're at. And having multiple decks may seem extra to people, but the wind changes directions a lot out here, and the sun moves around through for season to season. Like in the summer, we probably won't want to be in the sun, whereas in the winter, we will. So being able to be outside on different sides of the house, and especially the roof is what I'm interested in, to have a flat roof that's just a big sort of communal space, I think will be really cool. Just like the house we stayed in in Puerto Rico. That nobody knows about. Right, but you do. So yes, maybe do. we could describe it. Okay. It was it was a concrete house, which is kind of what we're considering building. And the roof was totally flat, but it drained. Uh, it drained all the water off, clearly. And above the stairs, they had an even higher uh, sort of pergola, I guess. I don't know, just to protect the stairs. And I thought that was so cool to climb up just one layer higher and be up on that. So, I don't know. I just love being up high. And being able to see 360 around us, I think, will be so cool from the roof. We've got the most incredible views. Yeah. Most incredible. We will have a deck. So, when you come up to the loft, you'll be able to access. And, again, these are just, this is just ideas that we really want to make happen. Everything could change. You get up on the loft, you can then access a deck, very narrow, thin deck, couple like spot for a couple chairs and a little table um, that's going to be right on top of the little greenhouse. 
And then you can walk up the stairs around the west side of the house that then take you to the roof deck. If you go into our bedroom, you can then access the deck on top of the garage, which is that same floor level. So a roof deck, but a lower level. And we're thinking since we will likely be building out of concrete blocks initially, which we haven't really talked about, we'll have those flat spaces on the roof portions of any of the house. So we might as well use those as living space too, rather than just having them be a canted angle that drains. So this is currently planning on being a one bedroom house, one and a half bedroom. Because of the loft, right? Mm -hmm. Then in the future, we may add um, a couple rooms or something onto the west side of the house. And we would like to plan this whole house. Like I said, we want to start by living in the garage. We want to plan this house so that we are doing it in stages, piece by piece, because we want to do it um, with only what we can afford. So very, little bit by little bit. And what we were considering, too, is if building the second floor ends up being too much complexity initially, we can build that first room by itself with the greenhouse and then whenever we save up enough money to finish the upper portion, we can go ahead and tack on the second floor. And everything, anything that we do is going to feel like a mansion to yeah. us. So the size is not at all a factor. A two-story garage is going to be huge for us. And what we were talking about, too, for the living room is having uh, space. Oh, I said I meant two-car garage, not two-story. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Well, but it'll probably be relatively tall. But the in the living room, even having a slide-out bed there, and one of the designs that we've really liked is you have a little raised portion that kind of makes a, a separate room that we could even have just be like a sort of deck material for it's like, like doing yoga up. and stuff. Yeah, but it makes a like a mental sort of separation between an, a space that would all, otherwise be all one floor. And then from that little block on the ground, you can slide out a bed. A little trundle bed. Yeah. And that could even be where we sleep initially mm -hmm. while we're saving money to build the second floor if we end up not being able to afford all that out of the gate. Oh, something I didn't mention, too, was in the bedroom, the main bedroom, the only bedroom. We would like for that not to be um, a closed-off wall to the lower floor, we want that to be open too. So we're thinking, um, have some sort of a curtain sliding. or shades or like, yeah, sliding barn door for if we were to put a kid down in the room, we could close that. But for the most part, it would be always open because then it would get the south sun um, during the winter, especially would be very important into our bedroom. And we could see out over, over top of the greenhouse from our bedroom, which would be really cool. It would be so cool. I'm kind of stuck on the design that we made, but I'm totally open well, to... What Dylan and Casey can help us do is turn kind of the dimensions that you made, um, turn it into a more accurate kind of format. Mm -hmm. And we could make things a little bigger, a little smaller with their help. And they, I think, will help us figure out how much of what supplies we need. And I hope that... They'll just be here doing the whole thing with us. Yeah. The program that I'm using for the design is called SketchUp. And if you get the 2017 version, if you Google it, you can find the 2017 version that SketchUp still offers because it used to be 
totally free software. And now it's pretty expensive if you want the desktop version, but you can use the new version in your browser for free, I believe. But if you want to download a desktop version that ju has everything you need really and is free, the 2017 version is available and that's what I've been using. And it works great. And you can you have a tape measure and you can build to specific dimensions. So as I was building out a refrigerator, for example, or the toilet or the sink, I was Googling dimensions for exactly what size those things are. And then I could measure them out and bring them into the model. So all of our things within the model are actually to scale as far as our bed, even pillows and all that kind of stuff. I can't believe you did that. You just worked one whole day on it and designed a house for us. Yeah. I'd wanted to use SketchUp for a long time, but I never had a project that I needed to do. It was always like, what contrived arbitrary thing could I try to build out in this that I don't need? But now that we're designing a house, it gave me the motivation to really dig into it. Are there any other elements of the house that we are forgetting? Oh, you know what would be so funny that we've talked about is... Kids will, like, I don't know, they'll sleep close to you for a while, right, when they're young. But then once they turn five, build them a cabin to go live in by themselves. Is that something yeah. <laughs> that a five-year-old could do, would want to do? I don't know. I don't know either, but maybe like an eight-year-old or ten-year-old. I think it depends on how our kid turns out. They could be super independent or they could be super clingy. But build with them their own little space, just like this office here. Build this with them and then have it kind of be their space because the... The house, we have not had rooms in five years. We have lived in one space together. And I think that that's really cool. The idea of of rooms and separateness is something that I'd like to stay away from. I want to have a closer family than, um, I don't know, than I'm used to. I want us all to be close and together as much as possible with ways to be private. Well, and there will always be outside. For and sure. I think we will still spend a lot of time outside and build our space so that it sort of encourages you to be outside on the decks and everything. Make the deck space super inviting and kind of push, makes you, I don't know, kind of pushes you outside. I think that'll be really neat. Right. But the inside is, I'm just really in love with the idea currently to keep it as open as possible. Mm -hmm. Even with friends coming to stay, pulling out a bed for them on the main floor, um, I don't know. I just think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Or the loft. Mm -hmm. And the idea of the loft is for it to be a bedroom of its own to some extent. Not that it's hardly a bedroom because it'd be open, but it's at least a place for people to sleep. Mm -hmm. Keep stuff, lounge, look out the windows. Yeah. What's next? We were the location maybe. Cause that's something that we're still kicking around. Mm -hmm. We, it will be so much more complex to build up here on the very top of our land, the highest point. But it's so cool that we're thinking we might eat the complexity of it and build up here. What are your thoughts? I mean, it's so quiet up here. And you can't see the scamp anymore from the road. You used to be able to, in our spot, down a bit lower. You could hear cars going by. But up here, we're, it's just so private. We're so far away from the road, and we're so high that 
all the views in every direction are incredible. And if we had it two stories, we could even see out to the, what is it, west as well, which there are some Stunning. amazing mountains over there too. We're just going to have to really try hard figuring out. We may have to spend a good, a bit of, good bit of money to make water come up here from mm. down below. We couldn't have our well drilled um, any higher because they couldn't get the machines up here or the well drilling machine. And, I mean, we would have – how many feet higher do you think we are right now? Like 50 to If 100? we're going straight up. Yeah, from our last spot. Yeah, 50 to 100 feet max. So that would have been an extra oh, interesting. two to four grand I hadn't thought to about drill. That. Yeah. I hadn't thought about how much deeper it would be if we came up the hill further. Yeah. I think a, it was yeah. like 35 a foot or something like that. It was like 28 to $35 a foot or something for drilling our well. So if we added 100 feet onto that, it would have made it a bit more expensive. And we're still kicking around ideas as far as how we will manage the well. And having a booster pump up top, like above the well maybe, might be how we send water all the way up here, or we could have a cistern. But I think we covered that pretty well, and I don't know that we have really more development since then. In the last podcast? Yeah. But since we use so little water, I'm not as worried about our well as I would be if I were a normal American. Or like coming straight from our lives in Kansas City to an off-grid lifestyle. Yeah, because we've gotten so used to being conservative with our water that with a decent-sized cistern, that'll last us a long time as long as we're uh, conscious of our shower usage and stuff. Over the last five years, the most water that we would carry around with us at a time was 12 gallons at any given time. Mm -hmm. So that um, gave us a lot of great experience for this lifestyle, where we, if we have a big-ass cistern, we're going to be set. Yeah, and we just met some friends. I was actually at the hardware store a few months ago, and someone yelled at me in the parking lot, like, hey, Baron. And I was like, I don't know anybody here, so I don't know what this could be. But uh, Travis is the guy's name, and he's an electrician and super smart dude, and he's building out or has already built out his own off-grid setup, and we just went and visited him and his girlfriend, Cora, and they loaned us a couple bar- like water barrels that are around 35 gallons and also said that if we needed to, we could borrow their, I believe it's a 1,000-gallon cistern. That would last us all year. Yeah. So we could like haul that up here near the scamp and stack, build around it to kind of get it underground so it doesn't freeze up. And then we could slowly fill that up with a pump that we would pump out of the 35-gallon barrels. And then we'd have all the water that we ever need. So a solution like that, then if you transfer that to the house, would really accommodate us pretty well. And Every would, time we were to run a shower or something, we'd just have to be cognizant of how much we were pulling and how long we were taking a shower for. And maybe uh, take showers on days that we filled a cistern or something. And I would like to set up some kind of digital system where we can use Arduinos and Raspberry Pis or something to that effect to monitor all these systems so that we could see the the water level in our cistern and the charge capacity on our uh, solar kit and all those types of things. I think that'd be really neat and totally possible. Even with our garden having humidity sensors under in the soil and temperature system, 
temperature sensors in the garden and everything too. And then being able to have those on switches, like if it goes below X degrees in the garden, then open up the blinds or um, start running water underneath them. Different things like that are totally possible. And I think that'd be really fun to figure out. So like we said, we are um, really pretty stuck to the cement concrete idea for this house. We love adobes, and that is a really big and popular um, design. Building technique out yes, here. Yes, out here uh, in Colorado where we're at. So I think adobe bricks would be a lot more expensive than cement bricks. We would ideally like to make them ourselves, but we don't have the correct land. You need sand, mud, all the various things to create your own bricks. And we unfortunately do not have that terrain. So we had our friends, James and Doreen, the ones who helped us build this office. They built uh, their house out of cement blocks. And we love their house. It's not just cement. They have it looks like adobe. wood pillars. Um, it's a stunning house. And kind of, I think their concrete floors are stained red or something. Kind of an off brown. Yeah, I can't remember. It's beautiful. And then the concrete floor acts as a thermal battery. So with all their windows, it just bakes the concrete floor. And then overnight, it slowly releases that energy and keeps the house warm. We don't know for sure, though, if um, there's another technique that we could do if we were to put up forms. We could put up a bunch of forms, then fill those forms and make walls. And that's all. Out of concrete. Out, yes, out of concrete. The issue, I think, there is that we would need a lot of concrete at a time to fill those forms. And to get a concrete mixing truck up here, I think, would be borderline impossible. So we're going to be mixing a lot of the concrete Did ourselves. you not see at the mountain? Yeah, but that's... How do you think they got cement all the way up there? I don't, I don't know. It'd be quite difficult. At the uh, ski resort that we go snowboarding at. I think it could be possible. Well, and by seeing possible. by seeing that building up there, it was very clearly made by forms and filled with concrete. I wonder if there's a company around. We and this is I'm I think cement blocks will be so much fun. I am dying to do that process. But if there's a company around here who would know how to put those forms up and we could potentially do it a little faster. That would be interesting. But there's so much that goes into putting those forms up to make them seal correctly. Um, even the mixtures of concrete, there's all kinds of ways that you can mix concrete to do different things if you're going to use it for walls or for foundation. Um, so that will change things, whereas the cement blocks are what they are, and then you fill it with what you fill it with. You fill it with concrete and rebar or mm -hmm. mortar, which is just a different mix of concrete. You have to stick the blocks together glue them together. I guess it's a very similar process to Adobe, except yeah. you got to fill it. So it, a lot, not a lot of people build with concrete blocks like this, but I think it's a good solution for us because the whole thing then acts as a thermal battery. And since we are working with so much sun out here, we can leverage that and keep the house warm and then also cool mm -hmm. because overnight the the blocks suck up the cool air and so in the summer it would remain cooler right it's, as long as we block out the windows and yes that was what i meant to say earlier is that in the greenhouse we will have to use some earthship type principles to um, design it so that we can easily close windows when we need to 
close windows. I'm so cold. Should I take this off? No, I just didn't want your collar brushing the mic. It's a pretty excessive little jacket. Somebody commented on our very first podcast, you were wearing a jacket. And they said, you're indoors, why are you wearing a jacket? But this space is still not heated. And we don't have it totally caulked up. No, there's still work to be done in here, but it's been great. So we were, we got on this tangent from building locations. And something else that will be probably difficult up here or anywhere on our land is septic. So that's just a thing that we need to figure out. And if anybody is a septic nerd, then let us know. But we would, ideally, we'd like to get some sort of uh, amendment or pass to use an incinerating toilet. Because I think that's even cleaner and less complex. But I'm not sure that we'll be able to get... I don't think so. I don't have high hopes. No, I don't either. I'm just saying ideally that would be really cool. Or even composting. Yeah. I I very much, we talked about this in the last episode, I very much understand why the rules are in place. Yeah, because people were, do stupid stuff. Yeah, and you have a ton of people mm-hmm. on, on the planet. So you got to be managing waste correctly. But we're out here on a 40-acre lot, and so it would be very cool if we could do some human manure, grow some trees with composted poop, but um, that's a little bit um, out there for... It's a little progressive for... The area that we live. Yeah. And again, f- just for most areas, it's a kind of a big... Because within the same county and everything, there are people that live on quarter acre lots mm-hmm. in the town and everything. So they have to make rules around that accommodate everyone. So We understand. I just don't want to go and rip up our lot to put a poop funneling station Big old holes, leech field. We'll likely have to, but I would like to do it as simply as possible. So that's something that we're still researching heavily. If anybody is a septic genius. And the problem we're working with too is that we're going to be having to put a septic tank probably above ground because we are on top of solid, solid rock. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And it is like three times the price to do an above ground septic system because you got to haul in a bunch of gravel. Oh, man, that's going to be the biggest pain in the rear is septic. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Once we get it done, though, then it's done. Unless the system is forcibly complex, and then we'll have to be maintaining it and changing out pumps and paying for it over and over again, which I'm dreading. Different subject. (laughs) We are very proud to announce that we have some sponsors today. The first sponsor... (laughs) Elsaray.com. <laughs> if you are looking for a beautiful sticker, a wooden sticker, a cute-ass little pin to decorate your backpack, a scarf, your shirt, go to Elsaray.com, where you can find all of these things and sometimes more when I've made other things and have them up for sale on my website. Um, thank you so much, Elsaray.com. For not paying us. and <laughs> We really appreciate it. The next sponsor who we are so excited to have today, is normal2nomad.com. <laughs> you can go to normal2nomad.com to find all kinds of resources on nomadic living. and Soon a book that you can purchase. And it's, let me tell you, it is going to be a really freaking awesome book. Oh. I'm not just saying that. It, it's so good. I can't wait. And our Patreon is through normal2nomad.com. 
So if you want to support us for all the content that we create and everything, then you're welcome to through those avenues, but don't feel obligated at all. Thank you to our sponsors. <laughs> Back to the show. Um, so potential building materials, we talked about Cinderblock and Adobe, and that's for the design that we're currently considering. And none of this is set in stone. See what I did there? But the... Is there stone in cement? Sand. Yeah. So all of our... The other building options are still totally on the table. Like we're not stuck to anything. And as far as those go, we'll kind of run through other building options that we've considered and give you the pluses and minuses of them. And one thing that we've, I've seen a video that actually multiple, multiple people have shared with me, but I had found it on my own before that, is the hempcrete and like Lego blocks that this older gentleman, I believe in, he's in Canada, is advertising. And I think those would be really cool. They're really similar to our concrete block idea, but made out of hemp. And it's like fire retardant and all kinds of stuff. It's really Aren't cool. Aren't they really lightweight too? Yeah. Would they have the same ability to retain heat? I don't know. I, but they, I think they would work better as an insulator than a thermal mm -hmm. battery. Mm -hmm. And I'm not entirely sure on that. And speaking of, with the concrete, what James and Doreen did is they built a, a frame on the outside of their concrete structure. And it was sort of an exhalation where insulation is on the inside. Exhalation is a word that I made up, I think, that is insulation on the outside. So that way, when all of the sunlight and everything is coming and your wood stove running is warming up the inside and heating up all those thermal batteries in the rock, essentially, that's around your house, then the insulation goes on the outside. So what they did is they built a little stick frame sort of on the outside of their house, and then they spray foam the inside of that and then put stucco on the outside of that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Another insulation material for the outside that I've been looking at is corkboard, which is, uh, I don't know, makes a lot of sense to me because bugs don't eat it and it's an excellent insulator and it's relatively affordable and it looks really cool too. Mm -hmm. Okay, other building materials. The first thing that we came across was logs, for like a log cabin. Yes, you were really, really wanting the log cabin thing to happen. I just, they're so nostalgic and cool. I think they just fit this landscape so well. And there's a lot of log cabins around here too. Yeah. And they are really awesome. But you, then you go and talk to the people who have the log cabins, and they say that the maintenance and upkeep is a nightmare. Yeah, they don't love them. And they're not super insulative. And if you do put insulation in, inside of them, then you have to sort of delete the look of the log cabin. Because part of the cool thing of having a log cabin is being able to see the logs on the inside. Whereas if you hang drywall and put insulation behind it then you can't see that anymore so that kind of sucks and we also don't live near any tall pine trees so that could have been something that influenced our decision as if we had a bunch of the logs near us yeah but we don't we'd have to get them sent in and um seems like there's other more efficient ways that we could design a house i think though for a smaller house like if we wanted to build a guest house for example a log cabin might make sense mm -hmm. if it was really small yeah. because somebody, there are local people that are log cabin builders. They could build it on site, then bring it here, reassemble it, and it's done. Well, we would also probably one day enjoy going through that process of building 
totally. our own log cabin. And we could just get a bunch of logs delivered. And... Yeah, so something that's more of a place, an experience for people to stay would be really fun. Yeah. But for now, I don't think it makes the most sense, unfortunately. It, that said, though, we will use logs for our um, like post and beam construction. To yeah, I want to see our, some raw logs. For sure. Some beetle kill. In the corners of our house and to use them as like I-beams for, that span the center parts of the house. I'm really inspired by the aesthetic of metal, wood, and stone, concrete. So I think we will include all those elements in some form or another. And we have so much stone out here, it would be really neat to incorporate it into Lava the... rock. Yeah, into the sort of stucco of our house. Mm-hmm. Even if it were just a facade, just to make use of the natural material, I think would be really cool. Absolutely. Earthship is something... That's another really similar kind of home concept that we are considering and need to learn more about because the principles and kind of the design features in earthship homes are so cool so functional so we want to study more of those i think we're going to probably go to new mexico and stay in a couple of them just for science to learn about uh, what they're like and the advantages of them as far as the typical building materials go for earthships a lot of times they're using local dirt or sand to fill up bags or fill up tires or whatever's available and unfortunately we don't have a sediment material like that. Our land is rocky and the rocks are pretty sizable because we're close to a volcano or what used to be a volcano. Oh, that's right. And that's what um, the kind of advantage of an earth ship is, is using recycled materials Right. with all the glass bottle windows and things like that. Yeah. But that's not as viable for us because we don't have so what we could do and what like Travis's neighbor did is they dug out a big pit and used the sediment that they pulled out of the pit to fill the bags to build their earthship. So then you have a sort of downstairs area that's kind of underground and then you just fill up the walls with that material. But since we're working with so much rock, that'd be pretty difficult. I watched a few weeks ago a, um, a hole being dug at our neighbor's house and to rip through all of that rock layer by layer would be, we're working with straight rock. Yeah. So I don't know that that will be an option for us. What we could do with the rock though is supplement our concrete as we're filling back cinder blocks and stuff so that we don't have to use as much concrete. We could plop rocks in there too. Just to fill the space. Um, I saw somebody as I was doing some research who was filling the inside of the bricks with an insulation material. So the insulation is within the the cement. Ooh, I like that a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what would be best. That's kind of like the Earthship stuff is figuring out why people make the moves that they do and then implementing them. Oh, something that I really, before I forget, I keep thinking about it. (laughs) To drill a 50-foot little tunnel into the ground and then have a pipe coming up into our house so that we could have forever air conditioning. Like geothermal. That would be so cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you don't necessarily have to drill it straight down. We could, well, a a lot of people use that for greenhouses too. They like dig down and then bury pipes in sort of a snaking like S formation. And then you put a fan on either side and you can circulate air that way. 
that's cooled by the earth. I think we should almost definitely use that. And then we're talking too about the solar hot water heater Mm -hmm. and running that. I don't know if we'll run it necessarily under our floor because I don't think we'll need it with all the sun that we get warming up the concrete, but having some kind of using solar hot water for Mm -hmm. different things, I think would be really smart given all the sun that we have. I saw an earth chip that had these windows that would open. They had a wax seal on them and they would pop open when it got too hot. So it was like a very intelligent, super simple design where the house kind of keeps itself regulated. And that is something that these domes have. Dang, that was also. a segue. That was sick. I know, I know. <laughs> these domes that we're looking at um, that are built kind of near us, uh, they have the same wax seal windows. So when it gets too hot in the dome, they'll just pop open. It's brilliant. And then they seal again when they get cool. And a lot of you guys suggested us checking out Tyler and Todd's YouTube channel, which we have, and they're super cool. They live in a dome currently. A big, big dome. Yeah. Geodesic dome. We are still even considering short-term using that as our main house structure. Because then as we're building our actual house, we could use what would eventually become our greenhouse as our house. We are not looking to have something nearly the size of theirs, though. No. Even for a greenhouse, I think that would be, we aren't on that. We'll never need that scale unless we started to sell the produce and we could always get another bigger dome. But theirs is just incredible. Especially because we'll have some growing space in our house, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to be able to just pull. Kale grows uh, off like a center stalk. So then you can pull the leaves off and it will continue growing up and continuing to produce versus like a lettuce where you cut the whole head off. I want to have plants like that inside so that we can continuously pull from them herbs and stuff. After the dome, something that we've considered is containers, just like this container, because it ended up being a pretty awesome thing to work with. If you have a, if you can weld simply, and if you have a plasma cutter, then containers are a pretty viable option. Something we were running into though is because there's no wood in here, you can't really just screw something in. We were kind of struggling putting this shelf up here up because there is no wood to drill into. We ended up kind of carving it into the foam and then making it work with other wood. But that was a hard thing is you're only working with hard metal. And the insulation is tough. Because it ate a, by spraying spray foam, I think it was still one of the more viable insulation materials that we could have used because it fills all the crevices and sort of waves in the container. But it ate away at our internal space a good bit, which is not ideal. And if you were to get a container, you a lot of people, what they do inside of their containers is they put up a stick frame kind of frame then put their insulation inside of that, and then put drywall on the outside of that. And then at that point, it's kind of like you spent a ton of money on this container that is really small and not very adaptable, that you can't drill into easily. It's just a little bit complex when you could just put siding on the outside and call it good. There's more steps to it than that, but it's a a bit of a complex thing if you don't have the correct tools to work with a container, and we don't. Yeah, and I think... I don't think it's a bad way to go by any means. It's really strong, yeah. durable. 
and you have all of your structural integrity just built into it. So once you lay the containers down, then you're kind of off to the races. It's just working with metal and cutting in windows and stuff is a little bit difficult. It's not at all impossible. And I know a lot of people will say it's easy and it very well might be, but I don't know. It's not. That's you not might as well just make a wood house if you're yeah. going to add the inside pretty standard. Yeah, unless you can get containers for cheap. Yeah, which, which maybe will be able to happen soon. Yeah, after the supply chain stuff gets ironed out. But out here, containers are expensive. So is wood, though. So I don't mm -hmm. know. They yeah. make sense in some regard. Yeah, I just watched our build video of this little office, and this little tiny container was $1,500, and we were looking at these wooden sheds that we couldn't find for less than four grand. So we thought this was a great deal, great option that was not wood. And I think it worked out perfectly. Well, I we couldn't have made it work without James and Doreen. Yeah, a thousand percent. Well, we could have made it work. It just wouldn't be nearly as cool as it ended up being. So what about stick frame? Why? That's the most common kind of house material, house building method. What about that? And we, when we first got into this, I didn't even know what that meant. No, the log frame guy. Yeah, he's like stick frame house, and I'm like, what do you mean? Because I, was, my brain was on logs. I wasn't thinking like two by fours, and calling those sticks, I think, is a little generous. So, a stick frame is just a standard sort of house build with two by fours or two by sixes as your main structure at like 16 inches apart or 14 inches apart, whatever it is. It's a very cheap way to go. Not cheap ish right well not with wood prices i mean you can grow these trees grow for six years and then they cut them down and you've got your really soft pine that you can work with it's cheap it goes up quick everybody has a hammer and a screwdriver <laughs> i was watching a bunch of videos on pros and cons of all these things and that was something that they said is it's one of the most um, affordable ways to build build a house in the quickest amount of time yeah so that said, why would we not want a stick frame house? Uh, I guess kind of like I just mentioned, the wood is so soft, it would degrade quickly. I think we could upkeep a stick frame house easily. There's all the supplies are everywhere to maintain that. But I don't know, it just seems like it wouldn't be the most intelligent design and we have the time and the space to be able to make this a really custom house that is exactly fit for our needs. So building a stick frame house that doesn't have very good insulation, doesn't retain heat as well as other options, it's kind of like, why do that? I mean, you could build them to, you could build them to be pretty insulative, but at that point then, and you're hanging drywall and doing the outside and everything, and at that point it's like, why don't we just use one of these other building methods that we've talked about and i think the other building methods are just more interesting yeah i think it's that's just more like a heavy part of it mm -hmm. it could be a lot cooler to build a more unique house yeah and we're going to put this whole thing on youtube as we do with everything and i think that people will be far more interested to see uh something that's not so status quo built i think that will be more in my opinion that will be more interesting another uh, option is prefab homes, like single or double wide homes. And yeah, I those think, are really common. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because you can just have it dropped off finished, which is pretty neat. But 
for the sake of YouTube and the fact that we do have a lot of time, I think it makes a lot more sense for us to spend some of that, a good bit of that time building rather than just having it dropped off. But if I was in a pinch for time and I was working a traditional job, then I think log cabins, a small log cabin or a prefab home would make sense because you can just have it delivered and finished. So then you could keep working and do your thing that way. Absolutely. That's what your, our new friend Travis and Cora live in is a single wide and they made it look gorgeous. It's amazing. Like when we got in there, it's just beautiful. I was totally blown away. It looks so it. modern with all their furniture and the design of it. They and Phillips Hue lights. It's beautiful. And, and it's all off grid. It's super cool. So that's another viable option. But for us, since we do have the time and um, like energy to dive into it, we can do it ourselves for probably a similar price or cheaper for something that's more permanent. We and permanence is something pretty huge because we want this land forever. Things could always change and we could sell it or whatever, but unlikely. I want to have a home that is bombproof and will last us a lifetime and beyond. Build a setup for our grandkids' kids. Yeah. So, yeah, I think concrete will last pretty well. Speaking of things that last forever, yurts. They do not last know, forever. That was, that, was a, that was a terrible yeah, It was an inverse segue. It was a joke. Oh. Tight. Anyway, why or why not a yurt? We're thinking, like, that might be a useful thing. It wouldn't be for our main house necessarily, but a yurt for a gathering space or a yoga studio or a place to kind of have retreats, which we want to have in the future. I think a yurt would make a lot of sense for that kind of stuff. Just a communal area that we could have a wood stove and everybody could get together and hang out. And if something happened, yurts are not permanent. So we could take it down, put it somewhere else, sell it. It's just a really customizable little space that is affordable. It's about, it seems like yurts and domes are kind of in the same category in my mind of a, um, I mean, a yurt is, has canvas sides, the ones we're looking at at least, and a dome has not canvas, but similar kind of, um, they hold a similar place in my brain, Yes. but the yurts are far more port portable, but the domes you can also use as a greenhouse. So I don't know. They're, they're pretty different from one another. They're also both round. That's yeah, a big one. True. <laughs> but I think they could both be useful for us, but not for our main living space. And to spend 10 grand on a structure currently... We, we really need to figure out w our strategy going forward and what we're trying to do and what we need before we drop 10 grand on a structure because that might be better served jumping straight into our house. Yeah, like for septic or foundation yeah. or something like yeah. that. Another option, and some of our neighbors have actually used this, is straw bale. And I think that's a super interesting idea. As long as you build it really well and rodent-proof it because that's just... I don't know. That just makes me so nervous to think that if a rodent got through your stucco or whatever you have on the outside, then there's just a whole wall of straw for them to get into. And the idea of it rotting out too makes me really nervous if water were to get in. 
but if you do it, if you build it really well, those wouldn't be problems, but it just makes me nervous. Straw bale is cool because you kind of have a mud material on both sides of the straw bale. Then you've got a foot of insulation on the inside. That is a really efficient way to build. It's similar to cob, but different because the straw is mixed into the blocks. And I was really into cob in the beginning of this whole build thing. But again, we don't have the natural landscape to build with cob. So we're not going to do that. Yeah. We might use the sort of principles of that for our stucco or to fill the inside of our insulation or whatever. But to make all that material from the wild out here would be near impossible. Barn dominiums are another kind of hot way to build right now, similar to the double wides. You get a prefab, pre-made barn from Home Depot and then insulate it and make it a house. Not only from Home Depot, but that's the idea. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting idea too, if you're short on time especially. Mm-hmm. Because People make them pretty cool, too, just like the single-wide my right. friends have. But then it's effectively done. Once mm-hmm. you get, It's not effectively done. There's plenty of insulation and building Wiring. out. Right, all that. You have to do a lot to make them finished, but it's a good starting point, which is definitely interesting. But it's, I don't know, I don't think it's any necessarily less permanent. You can get them built out really nice and with great materials, but... Uh, I don't know. It's not as interesting to us, but I appreciate what people have done with it for sure. Yeah. So as far as we talked about the insulation and exhalation thing, and then thermal batteries, we kind of talked about what we haven't dug into at all is the idea of using water in big tanks as a thermal battery. The only problem with, well, and we could use, so if we're, we're planning on having a cistern in our house because our well is so low, and a cistern is just a big water tank. So if we had that in a place where it could absorb sunlight, then that would work as a pretty good thermal battery mm-hmm. too. But in doing that, you just have the complexities of having a big water system that can leak and everything else. So it's kind of tough. But especially in our greenhouse uh, thermal battery with water with some fish in it or whatever, I think would be a smart play. Solar water, solar heated water on our roof at our house, I think is going to be huge. It may be even through the floors. Yeah. And to use that rather than, because if we're going to use, so uh, we're still trying to suss out is what, like how much propane we'll use or how much how much bigger we'll build our solar kit to accommodate different appliances and stuff. Because for our like cooking burners and oven and everything, if we're using electricity, that'll eat a lot of electricity. Whereas propane is a little bit more efficient for like warming things up. But with propane, that is not a renewable resource. And it's something that we have to rely on other people to come fill. So if we used for our hot water, if we had even a small inline water heater, but then it's like we've used, we've not had running water at all for so long that it's, if we just used a kettle, like an electric kettle to warm up water on demand, like we do currently, I don't know why that would be problematic. And then we would just have running hot water 
from the solar hot water heater during the day. We just have to shower while it's still warm. I just, I don't think that that would be a ridiculous sort of I guess solution. the idea of boiling a kettle of water every time I wanted to shower doesn't no, sound like... No, not to shower, but just for your like normal everyday coffee. use. Yeah, because our friends that we met at the hot springs have a solar hot water heater and they say that the water gets like near boiling just from their water heater on their roof. So anytime the sun's out and then well after that, because it would just be sitting in the pipes staying relatively warm, we could take our hot showers and use our hot water. But just if we had a blizzard, for example, for a few days, then our hot water heater wouldn't work as well. Mm -hmm. But we could still use the electric hot water heater and stuff supplementally. And we could even have an inline propane water heater for those times too. If we are able to, I would like to have as big of a solar system as possible so that we can, on cloudy days, have solar stored. We will be cognizant of our use on cloudy days. Like today, we wouldn't be going ham, running a dishwasher. We're not going to have a dishwasher. We wouldn't be using the stove or anything. But I would love to have propane as a backup. And I know that our friends just suggested the opposite. Do propane as much as possible. Yeah, it just depends on how you want to build it out. And then also, we could have a big generator that is sort of instead of a propane backup, we have a generator that makes electricity to power our things. And that's not a stupid solution either because then you can charge up your batteries and everything off of that. So I don't know. There are lots of ways to do it, but we would like to make the build. And Price is a factor too. Totally. Solar would be far more expensive than propane. Yeah. and But that's initially. But then once you have the solar kit set up, then. True. But propane is pretty pretty cheap. It's pretty affordable still. But we'd like to be as self-sufficient as possible. I'm just hearing this this last year there has been a shortage in propane and prices have been going up. So considering that for our future, it would be rad to kind of plan it mostly around solar and then use propane as a backup. Or use propane to start and then plan on doing as much solar as we can later on down the road. And given the sort of push toward renewable energy and away from fossil fuels, I think there will probably be subsidies and stuff for solar more than there would be propane. Like they'll probably start to tax propane and different fossil fuels more. So if we could get away from those, then that would probably save us money in the long run. Our foundation is a really big thing that we haven't touched on. Yeah. And we'll probably, my initial thought was I leaned toward the idea of like peers for our foundation where they're just I don't know how far you would have to stagger them apart. I guess it's how it depends on how heavy the mater building materials you're using are. But you just dig down, put a concrete pier in, and then your house sort of sits on those. So then you don't have to have a solid block foundation because a solid poured foundation just makes me nervous because growing up in the Midwest, you have so much moisture and settling and freezing and thaws and everything that it seems like everybody's foundation cracks and that's just a nightmare to deal with. But out here, since we're building on rock, our, our foundation probably won't settle very much. So having a poured concrete foundation is more viable than I otherwise would have thought. And then also being able to use it as a thermal battery makes a lot of sense. Did I miss anything? We have to figure that out. We have a lot to figure out. Mm -hmm. But these are our current thoughts on all of this. And the overarching idea with all this is to make it as passive as possible so that we invest the energy and intellect on the front end 
so that we can then not have to invest so much to heat and cool the house and everything as we use it. So it'll using, be like the smart house from yeah, Disney. Use that combined. It's like using old and new solutions. So yeah, using Arduinos and stuff to open up and windows and turn on and off fans and all that kind of stuff. But then also using sort of earthship yeah. ideas and virtues to make it as passive as possible. I don't know. I don't know how much we'll really integrate Arduinos. I just think it'd be really cool to be I able to. I think we will. You have the the knowledge of yeah. those things, so why not? If they would help us know how much water we have, let's do it. And I think it'd be really cool in the greenhouse to be able to automatically kick on uh, misters or whatever. If we want to on... travel, if we want to go hunt in the scamp yeah. and stuff, we've got to be able to operate our greenhouse from an iPhone. And since we'll have enough energy to do that then and all the sensors and everything you can buy pretty cheap i it's think it'll not, be way more than possible yeah it's not it sounds crazy but it's not as crazy as it sounds because you just need some simple input parameters to um, sort of monitor and modulate whether things are on and off so i don't think it sounds crazy but i don't think it's as crazy as it sounds well, we've got to go clean out our pipe on our wood stove so that we can light a fire. And we're meeting with James tonight so we can talk about all of this stuff. We've got some backstrap, venison backstrap thawing in the scamp right now. And tenderloin. That we are going to be eating tonight. Again. We, we ate it last night. We ate backstrap last night from the one of the deer that we got earlier this year. And oh my goodness, it was delicious. I was surprised by how good it was. I thought it was going to be one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is really good, but also it's good because it's meat that we harvested ourselves. You know, like when you eat fish from the stream, it's like that you harvested, it would probably be better to get a big old salmon slab. So you kind of got to, I don't know, that makes it more delicious. But I feel like this was just objectively really delicious. It was, you could chew through every bit of it, just break it. There's no gnawing at the steak. No gristle or anything. It was perfect. There were a couple pieces that were undercooked, so then you cooked them longer, and then they got a little overcooked. But yeah. if you cook them right, oh. But oh. I'm cooking them on a cast iron, which is. The best. In baking grease. It's really good, but it's hard to cook thicker steaks and stuff. I think just in general it's hard to cook thicker steaks. Yeah. But if you have like a smoker that's a cooler temperature but you run it for longer. Mm -hmm. I think a smoker is definitely a thing that we'll have in the near future. That in an instant pot. Mm -hmm. And then the sous vide is another interesting way to cook. But an instant pot, like we need to order that for because mm -hmm. we have a bunch of roasts and stuff to cook too. But maybe as we figure this out we can do a whole podcast on Oh, we could do a podcast out. and be making our roast in here and like for the pot. first time yeah do a podcast making our first roast in the instant pot soon sold okay but, yeah that's all for today right yes thank you for watching thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one bye Thank you for joining us. Please give us a five-star review if you enjoyed today's podcast. 
For more information on this episode, head over to my website, normal2nomad.com, which is linked in the show notes. And if you want to see what we're up to, visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Elsa Ray.